This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. The Boston Celtics select Jason Tatum from Duke University. Round of the break for the Celtics. Goes around the world. Oh, the circus game in the Boston. Walker for three. Kemba Walker from downtown. Tatum drives down and throws it down. Wow. Rebound. Gordon Hayward for two. Gordon Hayward with a corner crash. No block out. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Hey, wait, how do I how do I usually start this? That's how you start it. Is that what's going on, guys? Yeah. Oh, that's sexist as fuck. I think so. Oh no, what's going on, everybody? What's up, everybody? What's going on, everybody? Is that what it is? It's what's going on, everybody. All right. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm, Celtics beat writer for MassLive.com, and I'm joined by Nicole Yang of the Boston Globe. Nicole, how are you doing? As you were reading that intro, I was racking my brain for something interesting to say, and I literally have nothing, so I'm sorry. I gave you so much time to come up with something interesting. I messed that up so many times. Still nothing, so. Still nothing. How are you? I'm good. I have been enjoying having actual access to players. I've got no complaints, and I, I will say that probably the highlight of quarantine so far is watching all of our colleagues in Celtics media trying to figure out how to do Zoom. Well, um, have you noticed that? So we've had like 10 Zooms right now with Brad Stevens and then nine players. Have you noticed as the Zooms go on, fewer and fewer people turn on their camera? <laughs> I have noticed that, which is like, I mean, I show up on that thing every time without showering, like a baseball oh, cap on. I'm like, some days they look better than others, but I'm just like, I'm just going to put my camera on because one, we're so small anyway in the right. group. And two, everyone knows we're at home. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, you try to trick us all that you're in like a suit. And well, and the other thing too is like the Celtics send out the video and the video is just the players. I hate asking questions or like talking to people blind on Zoom. Like, especially when you have that capability, like, wouldn't you want that too for like facial recognition and stuff? Right, exactly. But I mean, hopefully, most of these guys have some kind of an idea of who we are at this point. Nicole, how many people on the Celtics do you think? Because I assume you've talked to everybody on the team. How many people on the team do you think know your name? I will tease a story that I'm writing later this week. Today's Wednesday. The Celtics are leaving for Orlando today. And yesterday I saw like six of them and I was surprised by how many recognized me. Okay. But did they recognize you or did they know your name? They they said my name. Okay. And 
I always just operate under the assumption that all players just, they interact with so many media members that they might recognize my face and like who I am, but they just have no idea what my name is. Which shout out to longtime Celtics PR person, Jeff Twist. He like introduces you every single time. So like, he'll still go up to Grant and be like, Grant Williams, Tom Westerholm. No, actually, I I like really appreciate that he does that every single time. I think that's really smart. But so it was funny. One of the players that I saw yesterday was Brad Wanamaker. And he goes, do you remember how we first met? And I was like, uh, trying to like think about when the first time we met. And I was like, I was at your introductory press conference. And he was like, no, but like the first time we like met, met. And I was like, um, like, should I remember this? Like trying to think and like literally nothing was coming to my mind. And he goes, it was really bad. And I was like, did I like see Brad Wanamaker out at a bar one day? Like, did I embarrass myself like in front of Brad Wanamaker? Like, <laughs> what is this story? And I was like, I literally have no idea what you're talking about. I'm sorry. And he goes, you don't remember? And I was like, no. And <laughs> it wasn't bad at all. It was, Tom definitely remembers this. In Milwaukee during the playoffs last year, we were at a shoot around and after media availability, we were asked to leave and the media was walking <laughs> along the baseline and the Celtics were gathering at half court and Brad Wanamaker, I didn't know who it was at the time, Somebody chucked a half court shot and I was looking at my phone. I was wearing my glasses that day and the ball literally like it didn't hit me, but it like it literally landed right as I was walking in front of me, like grazed my glasses and knocked my phone out of my hands. And I was like so startled and so traumatized and started crying. I had no idea who had done it. Everyone was like it was Kyrie, which I mean was an easy scapegoat at the time. And so, like, Jerome Allen came up to me, I remember, and was, like, very apologetic. Like, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? Okay. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm, like, fine. Like, I genuinely was fine. It didn't hit me, but it, like, knocked my phone out of my hands and, like, grazed my glasses. And then that night at the game, Brad Wanamaker came up to me and was like, I'm really, really sorry. That was me. And I was like, oh, don't worry about it. Oh, this is new intel. I thought it was Kyrie this whole time. So it was Brad Wanamaker and he was like, I'm really sorry about that. Like I was just messing around and like, I shouldn't have done that. And it was like very nice and very apologetic. And so then last night I was like, oh, now I remember that. I have tried to have blocked that out of my memory because I was so embarrassed. But now, yes, I remember that. And he was like, yeah, like I felt so bad. And I was like, oh, like that was so nice. Because Jerome had come up to me after, I felt like the coaching staff had asked Brad to apologize. So I was like, did like they tell you to apologize? He was like, no, 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 no. I like wanted to do it on my own. I was like, okay. Like the fact that he remembers that, like I am like shocked by it. Of course, Brad Wanamaker is, I mean, not a superstar. I don't mean that as like a diss, like he's just not. So it's like, it's not like he has as many media availabilities as someone like Kemba Walker or he doesn't have like endorsements and sponsorships where he does a lot more. Yeah. So maybe that's why he remembers, but like, I'm always pleasantly surprised when somebody like can vividly remember who you are. (laughs) Even when it involves smashing your phone out of your hands. (laughs) You were shook. I remember that. You were so shook. I hated every moment of that. I genuinely, like when I say I like blacked it out or like blurted out of my memory, like that's genuinely what I did. So when he brought that up, I was like, great. Well, no, that's back. Awesome. (laughs) So the thing is though, I feel like if I interact with somebody, 
I'm even if I don't remember their name, I'll still remember the event that like I interacted with that person mm -hmm. at. So for somebody like Wanamaker like that, where he felt the need to apologize, I'm not surprised that he remembered you and your, your phone. Just kidding. It really did smoke your phone. I will, I will give you that. Like it came out of nowhere. Sometimes I'm like, okay, there are obviously like very few like female, like in especially like Asian women reporters in the locker room that I, I'm pretty sure they're going to recognize my face, which is why I try and be like pretty careful with my interactions because I feel like if it's a negative experience, they're 1000% going to remember it. You know what I mean? As opposed sure. to just like a run of the mill. They forget me like that. <laughs> I'm just saying. There's a thousand me's running around NBA locker rooms. I think that's definitely an element too to why they can remember. But yeah, it's it's such an interesting existence to lead where you have to like interact with these people daily, but you wonder like, do you actually know who I am? Yeah. yeah the other thing too is that like Twitter, we know these guys are on Twitter. We know they see our tweets. Like they know who we are for the most part, I think. <laughs> some of them, I do, I feel like some of them genuinely aren't. Like, I feel like Kemba genuinely, like, doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's probably accurate. Especially, like, Kemba's a little older. Yeah, exactly. Like, before, he, but, like, while he's, he's been on the Celtics, I highly doubt he's name-searching or looking at any of our tweets. For sure, for sure. Do you want to talk about the uh, availabilities this week? We had 10 availabilities this week. So there was kind of a lot of stuff. What was the first thing that, uh, that you wanted to touch on here? My first takeaway is that it was just really sad to hear about the parents talk about leaving their kids. Daniel Tice, for example, was saying like this time was amazing because he actually got to really form a relationship with his daughter, who I think is maybe like four or five. And if that, she's young he and his wife sort of had to talk to her about like why he's leaving for three months. And obviously Gordon, we know, has three kids and Robin is pregnant. And all of their kids are so young that like all you can really say, I imagine, is just that like dad is leaving for three months. And you can say like for his job, but like it's really hard, I feel like, for them to grasp. And you could tell that Jason Tatum really like was not happy about leaving Deuce. And he made it clear like at this age, like they change every Every day like I don't yeah. think Deuce is really speaking yet and so like by the time Tatum is able to see him again like Deuce could be like saying words like he could miss Deuce's first words it was really sad and put things in perspective too about just like how hard this is for parents to be away and also like not only for the players to be away but then for like Robin obviously who's pregnant to take care of the three kids on her own like it makes sense that she's flying back to Indianapolis to have family all around it's just like a lot of strain I feel like on families no, it's a lot of strain on families for sure. And I think, you know, it's, it's just really hard. This is going to be stressful beyond just, you know, staying in the bubble and COVID. It's going to be it's stressful even beyond just missing your kid. It's going to be stressful because this is, I hope it doesn't for everybody, but I think this, you know, this would cause strains like on relationships that really matter to these guys. So it's been nine or 10 days at a time at most, you know, before this, that players have had to leave their kids, leave their families, leave their significant others. And this is a lot longer. I'm with you. I feel really bad for everybody for that specifically. It's going to be really, really hard. So at the very least, it's two months because families can't join until after the first round of the playoffs. They're going to have to go at least two months. 
that's a long time. I mean, and to your point, like just how much kids change in that amount of time. I mean, it's wild. Like you use the example of Deuce and like, if he's not talking at this point, he'll be talking very soon because he like, that would be a little bit late for him to not be talking at his age. Like he's two and a half. So like, if he's not talking right now, then like literally any day. Right. Cause I think he's babbling. Obviously. Yeah. And I mean, imagine, you know, you're Tatum and like your son, you're like, it was named after you who you just go on and love. And like, clearly he's such a, an involved and great dad for Deuce. And like, imagine not being there for that. It would just be heartbreaking. And like that, I think ties into sort of one of my other big takeaways was it seems like the team reached their decision to opt in like pretty recently. Like it wasn't like they were all in from the get go. Like I think Jalen Brown mentioned that some of the Celtics were on the fence at the beginning. Jason Tatum said he's not thrilled still, but he made the decision a few days ago that he's going to play big reason why he was considering not playing was the amount of time he would be away from Deuce. Sounds like a lot of these guys really thought about this decision and it was heartbreaking to hear them talk about it, particularly Tatum, especially because we don't often get expansive answers from him, but he really opened up about the decision for him to opt in. And when he was talking about the stuff about the contract, somebody had reported, the New York Daily News reported that Jason Tatum had shown reluctance in playing because of his contract situation. Poor Jason Tatum. Like, I just really felt for him in this situation. He saw that report, and then he saw the reports refuting that initial report, and then he was like, I know, though, because that report's out there, if I don't play, people are just going to say it's because of my contract. People are just going to say it's because I want to get paid this summer and I don't want to risk injury, especially after someone like Davis Bertans did opt out because he's worried about injury. And Jason did, like, mention Bertans. He was like, I respect the decision. Like, he wasn't critiquing that at all, but he was saying, like, I know that people would just say that I'm opting out for my contract, even though that's not the reason why he was going to opt out. And he was saying like, that is a really insensitive situation because so many people are dealing with unemployment and a lot of people are feeling like financial pressure as a result of the pandemic. And like, I just thought that was just such a thoughtful answer. I hope that Jason Tatum chose to play because he wants to play basketball and not because he felt pressured to do it by Joe Nobody, who has a Twitter account, is going to get mad, or Boston Sports Radio Person X. Like, this just infuriates me. And I get this in my mentions. Anytime, you know, there's like like a, a suggestion that a player might opt out, I just get people who are like, I have to go back to work. He should have to go back to work too. And it just drives me up a wall. It like genuinely infuriates me. And I will say that the following does not represent the uh, views of my employer or Nicole. This is uh, just me ranting here for a second. To every single one of these reply guys who hops in my comments and says that Jason Tatum needs to get back to work because Joe Nobody has to get back to work. Like, I'm sorry. I assume because I look at a lot of these people's profiles and I look at their timelines that they really like capitalism. And if you like capitalism, you have to accept the fact that these people are higher class than you. They get to choose these things. Like, that's just what it is. I'm sorry, Mr at Zach749XY, like you're not elite. So you don't get to choose whether or not you go back to work. The thing is that we are not owed basketball and these guys are not like they shouldn't have to make this decision because they're afraid of like what the blowback is going to be like at this point, because we know the NBA is coming back. If they want to play basketball, they should be allowed to play basketball. If not, that should be okay. We're in the middle of a pandemic and this is not an essential thing. I don't know. I'm just tired of, of people thinking that they're entitled to watch like the Celtics, like Jason Tatum does not owe you anything. 
if he felt pressured to leave his family, to leave his two-year-old son, to miss these moments, that infuriates me. And, and I, I, think, uh, I think anybody who says that just because other businesses are going back to work that Jason Tatum should have to, they're just wrong. I will say that Tatum did say that he did miss basketball and that he loves basketball. And like he did reiterate how much he wants to play the game. I'm also glad that he opened up about the other factors that go into his decision. And he also did say as well, which this line I thought was really good. I'm old enough to make my own decisions and live with it. So I don't expect anybody to feel sorry for me. Yeah, I guess the the one thing that I would add to, to my rant Shaming somebody into doing something non-essential at this time is like wild to me. I don't know. I, 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 I certainly respect Tatum a lot. I wish that players weren't feeling guilted into doing things. I mean, that's the impression I'm getting from some of this stuff is that like players are feeling guilty for like thinking about not playing and they shouldn't. So anyway. Part of me um, wonders whether they like received some sort of talk a lot of them are saying like similar messages like playing for something bigger than myself like competing for a championship you know what I mean like but yeah exactly like they talk about like the bigger picture and doing something that's bigger than themselves I wonder like whether I don't know I don't know who the source was but they all seem to have reached the same conclusion and I wonder if that was like independent or if there was something that maybe like helped nudge them in that direction whatever that might have been Opting out is a big decision. I mean, even the strongest of us get swept up in inertia sometimes. And in this case, inertia is just going along with what the NBA says we're going to do. That, that's the thing that is like expected of people. I, I think that's part of it too, is just like. And I think that's why we are starting to see more and more people say like, oh no, like there's not going to be an asterisk. Like whoever wins this is like the grittiest team ever and like the hardest working team ever. Like they have to convince themselves of that. Otherwise, what's the point? nobody's going to say, yeah, there's going to be an asterisk. Because if there's going to be an asterisk, I feel like it's going to be hard for them to motivate themselves to the extent that they like typically motivate themselves. Like they need to like trick themselves seems mean, but they need to basically like convince themselves like, no, like if we win this, like that is like historic. We accomplished something that like no team ever has. And like this means something different, but in a good way. Yeah. And I think it's going to feel different to guys when they're down there. I think right now, when you think about like winning a championship in front of no fans and like not having the confetti and not having like the roaring crowd and not having Adam Silver out handing you the trophy, or I mean, maybe they will still do that stuff, but you know what I mean? Like it's just going to look and feel and sound very, very different. But I think the guys who do go down there and who do play probably will, you know, feel an enormous amount of satisfaction like the team that wins the championship because it is still basketball. It is still a tournament. If you do win the championship and assuming that this thing gets to a championship, you know, it is going to be a big moment. I I think anyway, but I I do think that getting down there and like preparing yourself for what is going to be an incredibly grueling three months on every level, but maybe especially an emotional level. Yeah. I think to your point that, that that's what they need to do right now. Yeah. Sports are coming back. And so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. And there's no better place to start than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in on the action for this week's big UFC fight or check out odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the Premier League. Can't wait for your team to come back? Bet Online has futures odds, including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or check out our daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE. To receive your new welcome bonus, that's promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering experts. 
Hey everyone, we're pumped to be able to share an exclusive trailer with you after the show. From Blue Wire Studios comes Golden Goal, stories of soccer legends. Each Monday, two new episodes will take a look into some of soccer's biggest stars and the moments that define their careers. All narrated by Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's Always Cheating podcast. From Haaland, Zlatan, Messi, Rapino, and many more, each episode will focus on the historical plays and personalities that make the sport great. So stay tuned after the episode and check out Golden Goal, Stories of Soccer Legends, wherever you get your podcasts. I think that one thing that really stood out to me, there were a lot of questions, obviously, about the Black Lives Matter, just kind of the current moment there. I, I mean, I, I continue to be impressed with what Jalen Brown has to say on the, on the topic. I thought what Brad Wanamaker said was really affecting, too. Um, he said that he just started crying, basically just watching the news with his son to have to explain to your kids. I mean, Wanamaker's kids, I mean, they look like they're probably 9, 10, like somewhere in that range. They're young. And uh, just having to explain to them, not only are there going to be people who don't like you because of your skin color, but like the authorities, you know, are going to target you. You know, Brad posted a really... Wanamaker posted a really powerful Instagram photo of his kids, you know, holding signs basically saying Black Lives Matter. And I was I was interested and uh, and, and I think kind of affected, you know, hearing that from him. Totally. Yeah. I think his son is 10 and his daughter is seven. So they're young enough, but they're also old enough to understand. Like you think about how old Tamir Rice was and it's like, you know, kids, kids need to hear this stuff, unfortunately. You know, I, I, that was kind of a theme throughout what everybody was talking about. I was intrigued by Jalen's comments when he was saying he was very disappointed in the list of messages that the league had approved to put on the back of player jerseys. The only one I know that is happening is freedom for Ennis Cantor, which makes sense because he writes that on his shoes. Um, but I liked the ones that Jalen had suggested, like results, break the cycle, I wonder how the league came to that list. I assume they consulted the Players Association, but it's weird because Jalen obviously is very involved in the Players Association, so you would think that then he would have been able to sort of make those suggestions. The ones that Jalen was suggesting were like very much like safe for work and obviously also impactful. So I, I'm curious how they came to that determination. Obviously, group economics drew a lot of flack. That was one of the messages that the league had approved. So Jalen said that he's hopeful that it still can change. And I agree, there is still plenty of time. I'm not sure how like the production of the jerseys works and stuff like that. So maybe there is less time than we think. But I do wonder whether the league will make adjustments. Well, I thought the most powerful one that Jalen suggested was the strange fruit jersey. I mean, I assume that that was one that was shot down by the league. Just imagine, uh, imagine an NBA player wearing strange fruit on the back of his jersey. Like that would just be such an intense, powerful message. I think one thing I would be concerned of if I was, you know, Jalen or if I was, you know, players who are hoping to make a statement trying to get a message across during this is that like the league is going to approve these messages. And I think that just kind of automatically sanitizes them a little bit. You know, it, it automatically, um, you know, kind of cleans them up and makes them a little more palatable. And I think that making things palatable is a little bit of a problem. Like, you know, if you make it palatable, it's a lot easier to forget. If you make it like easy to digest, if you make it, you know, kind of like, if you, if you just make I mean, it like we're talking about messages they're going to be putting on jerseys like that in itself it. is an ineffective idea anyway yeah right but like there is no message that will be powerful enough there's no way that that will that will make a difference whether the league approves it or not and that's why i think like results isn't a bad one because he that's was a good like, one yeah that's what everyone wants is results so i'm just gonna remind you all 
Like that's honestly what these are going to serve as just reminders that we can't forget about this. Yeah. And that's sort of what Jason Tatum was saying in his press conference is, I just hope that people continue to pay close attention and we don't have to wait till the next incident to start this all again. So honestly, these are all going to be like symbolic reminders anyway. I, I was surprised that results can't be an option. They should rethink that one. That, that's an easy one. It felt like all of these availabilities were pretty serious. I think that's appropriate kind of for the moment, you know, because at its bottom level, the reason that we're doing all these availabilities and the reason we're having availabilities in July is coronavirus. There wasn't a whole lot of, I mean, even Grant Williams, like, you know, he talked about like living with Kemba Walker and, and Kemba talked about living with Grant and like, yeah, those were like kind of lighthearted moments, but it wasn't any, it certainly wasn't the focus of the press conferences. You know, I think all of these guys were getting asked, like, you know, how are you going to deal with this? Like are you, almost kind of, are you going to be okay? You know, in, in a lot of ways. Um, and, it's, and, and also obviously like all, all the social justice stuff too. Like it was uh, serious and, and somewhat intense uh, press conferences in that way. I felt like. Yeah, I, um, in Jason Tatum's press conference, I had my hand raised to ask him a question about golf because obviously he's taken up golf as a hobby. And I had a story published yesterday about how many Boston athletes, like it's not just Tatum, but like Tuka Rask, Jackie Bradley Jr., a bunch of other Bruins, Danny Ainge have been going to this golf center out in Natick. And I was going to ask Jason sort of just about his thoughts on the new hobby. He obviously seems to like it. He's taken over 10 lessons. He posts about it on his social media a lot. And golf is one of the few activities that the players will be able to take part in once they're in the bubble. So I was going to ask him a question, but I ended up lowering my hand because I was like, this doesn't actually seem like the right moment. So I agree with you that like, usually there's like a good balance of like, oh, basketball and like fun stuff. But like, they have been like pretty serious, at least so far. Definitely. It's a, it's a serious, intense time. All right, guys, we'll leave it there. Thank you all for listening. Um, As always, like, please feel free to get in touch with either me or Nicole. I'm at Tom underscore NBA on Twitter. Uh, She's at Nicole C. Yang. Are your DMs open, Nicole? They are. I did open them. All right. Yeah, mine are too. We would love to hear from any of you. Thoughts, um, ideas, uh, people that you want to hear on the show. We're, you know, friends with several people. We can get guests. But for real, we we appreciate you guys all. Anybody who leaves a five-star review... Um, anybody who leaves a little note it really does help us and we appreciate anybody who does it so if you do it let us know We, we, we really appreciate that and we will talk to you all on monday this is brandon kelly the host of blue wire's new podcast golden gold he takes everybody up messi's got it from Lionel messi to marta to pele our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe. From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. 
relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.